You know, guys, we're going through 1 Samuel, and we've been looking at Samuel, Saul, and David, and we've been looking at their lives because we want to learn lessons about faith, your faith, your trust in Jesus. And I'd already mentioned this a little bit in the prayer time, is that that's the number one area that you're going to actually find that you're going to struggle with because you and I face stuff all the time and it always wants to challenge your faith, your trust in God. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, there, you face crises that are so enormous, you wonder, how am I going to get through this? How's my marriage going to survive? Is my health going to be any better? Are we going to get out of this financial difficulty? God, where are you? That's one thing. Where are you? You ever prayed a prayer like that? I pray prayers like that. I pray that all the time. God, I didn't sign up for this. Did anybody sign up for the stuff they face? No, we don't sign up for those things. And, and we wrestle with faith. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. This is why I love the Word of God, because the Word of God doesn't come across with a flowery picture of everything's supposed to be perfect in your life. It's realistic. And as we look at David's life in chapter 27, we're going to see here in a moment that we're going to meet a guy who comes to a place where he just decides, I've had enough. You ever gotten to a place like that? I don't know that I can take anymore. The pressure is so real. And, you know, he's he's been going on, existing on the promises of God. He was anointed king by Samuel to be king. He's got these promises of the Lord that he's going to be king. And nothing is working out. Nothing is heading in that direction. All of these prophecies, all of these promises are not working out. And he just decides he's had enough. And so he decides to lead, let's just call it what it is, a double life. He's disappointed in his faith, but he knows enough to not depart from it. But he's decided to maybe try to live with both. Faith, but also live in the world. Faith, but not fight against the world with his life anymore in hopes that it would go better. You ever been there? I've been there. In fact, I would say you're not normal if you're not there. Because you haven't really faced the difficulties of life which, which weigh down on you. And that's what we're going to see in this chapter today. We're, we're just going to look at chapter 27, verse 1, up to chapter 28, verse 2. It's only a few verses, but it's enough for us to get a picture of how you and I can be ourselves. So I'm going to take the passage into several sections. First of all, I want us to focus on, first of all, verses 1 to 4, and we're going to talk about desperation. Where you and I get to the place of being desperate because of what we're facing. Look at how desperate David gets. Look with me at verse 1. And David said in his heart, all right, stop for a moment, notice what he says and how he says it. 
in his heart. And David said in his heart. So this is something that's going on inside of him. All right. And David said in his heart, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines and Saul will despair of me and seek any more, seek me any more in the part of Israel so I shall escape out of his hand. Then David arose and went with, over with 600 men who were with him to Ictish, the son of Moak, king of Gath. So David dwelled with Ictish at Gath, and he and his men, and each man in his household, and David had two wives, Anohim, the Jezreelist, and Abigail, the Carmelite, Nabal's widow. And it was told to Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. Now here's a couple things I want you to see from David's life here about desperation. Number one, there's a point when faith seems futile in the midst of adversity. There's a point when your faith, your trust in God, seems futile in the midst of adversity. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, have you been in a situation that just doesn't relent? It keeps going on. It just doesn't relent and your faith is such that it's so fragile, it just seems futile for you to even trust because no matter how many times you've prayed, no matter how many times you've felt assurances from God that everything's going to be okay, it just keeps going on. It's an unending nightmare that you're living. You know what I'm talking about? And you're at a point of desperation. There's a point where faith seems futile. And at some point in your life, you're going to face that. Some of you are facing it right now. David, think about this. David, as a young boy, is anointed by Samuel, the prophet, that he's going to be king. And for the moment there, it looks like everything's going to be great. Because, I mean, what does he do? He kills Goliath. He's able to marry the king's daughter, and so he becomes a son-in-law. He's a great hero in all of the land of Israel, and, and everything looks wonderful. Everything looks spectacular. Everything's headed in the right direction. Then all of a sudden, boom! The unexplainable happens. Saul goes crazy, thinks that David's out for his throne, tries to kill him, literally tries to kill him, then pursues him relentlessly. And we've seen that through 1 Samuel. And, and there are times and opportunities that David has to just end it, two different times to end it, take Saul's life, make it over, he can become king. But he doesn't do that because he knows that that's not right. So David's been doing the right thing. He's been responding the right way by faith. But the problem is, well, the problem's not going away. 
Saul keeps pursuing him. Saul keeps trying to kill him, even though Saul says that one day David's going to be king. Even though Saul says that David is righteous and hasn't done anything wrong, Saul keeps trying to kill him. The pressure keeps there building up. And guess what? You're wanting there like, well, God, didn't you promise me this? Why are things getting better? And we're talking years here. We're not like talking two weeks here. We're not like talking six months. We're talking years, decades of this. Because by the time that David does become king, he's 40. From a teenage boy who's anointed to the time that he would become king, there's 20-some years in there. And at some point, you would say, I don't know that I have the faith. Is it even worth it? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? With the situations you face? There's a point where faith seems futile in the midst of adversity. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Fear, despair, and discouragement are stronger than you realize. Fear, despair, and discouragement are stronger than you realize. If you were to say to David, David, at some point you're going to go over to the Philistines. Now let me just explain to you who the Philistines are. They are the enemy of Israel. They are the gent a Gentile nation that does not worship God. They have their own God, Dagon. They're trying to wipe out Israel. They're the epitome of unbelievers in 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 First Samuel and Second Samuel. And if you were to say to David when he got anointed, David, one day you're going to go over and, and hang out with the king of Gath. He would probably look at you and say, you're nuts. I'm always going to serve the Lord. I'm always going to be the Lord's man. There's no way that could ever happen. You and I need to watch out when we say that's no way. There's no way that's ever going to happen, right? Because you might find yourself one day doing the thing that you said would never happen. Why? Because you despair. Because you're afraid. Because you're discouraged. And it's stronger. Those feelings are strong, aren't they? And in the moment, they dictate what you need to do. And David's in one of those moments where it's like, I am tired of running from him. When will he go? God, you promised me this. And all he can see is fear, his discouragement and despair, and he does the unthinkable. He decides to lead a double life. He leads a double life. You know what I'm talking about because it's becoming more and more evident even now in our culture, in our society, where, you know, you, you don't really go out and tell everybody that you believe in Jesus or that you're a Christian because that's not necessarily a popular thing these days. I mean, there was a day, I mean, if you talk to somebody who's here or who's older who can think back to 30, 40 years ago when people would say, well, I go to such and such church or I'm a member there. And, and, and I can remember even in the military, back when my dad was in the military, people would join a church just to be respectable. But you never hear anything like that anymore, Right? This is the way it is. So now you're like, you're almost afraid 
to tell anybody you have faith. And so like David, because you don't want to face the onslaught, you lead a double life. And that's what David is doing here. In fact, that brings us up to the next section of verses. I want you to notice with me verses 5 through 12. Notice with me verses 5 through 12. We're going to look at the duplicity of David's life. He's leading a double life here. Look with me at verse 5. Then David said to Iktish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I may dwell there. For why should I be, why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? Iktish gave him Ziglag that day, and therefore Ziglag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. So he lived there one full, full year and four months. Sixteen months, guys. Okay? And David and his men went and raided the Gershorites, the Gerzites, and the Amalekites. For those nations were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as you go to Shur, even as far as the land of Egypt. And whenever David attacked the land, he left neither man nor woman alive, but took away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, and the apparel, and returned and came to Ictish. And Ictish says to him, where, ha where have you made raid today? And David would say, against the southern area of Judah, or against the southern area of the Gemerites, or against the southern area of the Kenites. And David would save neither man nor woman alive to bring news to Gath, saying, lest they should inform on us, saying, thus David did. And thus was his behavior the whole time he dwelt in the country of the Philistines. So Ictish believed David, saying, he has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Therefore, he will, he will be my servant forever. Now, here's three things I want you to see about his duplicity. See if you can relate to these, okay? Number one, there's an attempt to find peace by embracing the help of the world. There's an attempt to find peace by embracing the help of the world. So you think about it. Here's David. He's sick of running. He's sick of somebody coming after him. He's got his faith. He's got his faith in the trust in, in, in the promises of God and what will happen in the future for him. But I'll be honest with you, the daily grind, the daily fearfulness, the daily despair, the daily discouragement, it's getting to him. He's tired of running. He's tired of living in caves. He's tired of running from Saul. And he's like, I need some peace. So he embraces the world, that is the Philistines, trying to find this, quote, peace. You can, I can relate to that, right? Maybe you're here, I can relate to this. You're a believer in a family of unbelievers. And... You continually tell them about the Lord and you continually face the onslaught, the slander, the accusations, and so forth. And finally you decide, I'm just not going to tell them anymore. So that when we gather for family gatherings, it'll just be peaceful. 
Ever been there? I've been there. You know what I'm saying? I come from my family that I grew up in. None of them are believers. And finally, it just got to the place where you just decide you're not going to talk about it anymore with them because you don't want the harassment. Maybe it's like that at work. You just are quiet because you don't want to be harassed because of your faith. Maybe it's with a group of friends. You find yourself living a double life in the attempt of finding, guess what, folks? Finding what? Peace. So-called peace. Here's the second thing I want you to see here about the duplicity. There is an attempt to lead a double life of faith and worldliness. See, when you're in this situation, you want to lead the life of faith. So here's David. He wants to continue to be an upstanding warrior for the people of God. So while he's living this double life, he's going and fighting against the enemies of, of Israel. And when he fights against them, he makes sure he wipes them out. So they're no longer a problem in Israel, but he makes sure they wipe them out so nobody can tell on him because he's got to lead this double life, you know. And so then he goes back and he says, well, Iktish, the king says, well, what have you fought against? Oh, I fought against Judah, and I fought God against this ally of Judah. And, 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 and Iktish says, oh, well, that's great. So we want to live. We try to attempt to lead a double life. We try to balance it. We try to be people of faith, but yet we don't want to be different. We don't want to stick out because it might upset the peace, right? Because we're, we're, we're sick of it. And that's what he's doing here. There's, there's an attempt to lead a double life of faith and worldliness. Now here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. And this is one that we have to realize. Notice what Iktish says. Iktish says this in verse 12. So Iktish believed David, saying, He has made his people Israel utterly abhor him. Therefore, he will be my servant forever. What's going on here? Here's my final point here. About this duplicity. The world only sees a life that is totally compromised. See, you think, I think, when we're leading the double life, we think... Well, I found the balance. I've got the Lord, although I'm not open about it. I've got the Lord. I've got my faith. But I've got peace now because I'm not, I'm not standing in contrast to the world anymore. And we think we're, we're, we're in the right place. We're in that sweet spot. The problem is, is that that's not what's happening. Actually, the world has a, a better viewpoint of things because the world sees us as being totally compromised. Totally, we're not either completely with them and we're not completely with God. We're kind of in the middle. We're compromised. And that's the reality. We're not people of faith, although we believe we are. And the world just kind of thinks we're just part of them. We're playing a game. And that's what we see here. 
But there is a reality that you and I have to come to. There is a moment of truth that you and I have to face. And, and God, to be honest with you, brings us to this moment of truth. I want you to notice with me verses 1 to 2, chapter 28 now. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. And Ictish said to David, You assuredly know that you will go out with me to the battle, you and your men. So David said to Ictish, Surely you know what your servant can do. And Ictish said to David, Therefore I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. The moment of truth. Here's what I want you to see. And this is where you and I are at when we try to lead this double life. Okay? Number one, the problem with the double life is that it cannot last. All that effort we try to make to live in peace because we're tired of it. All that effort of us trying to secretly hold on to our faith, but we don't want the pressure, we don't want the attack of the enemy on our life. and All that pressure, I'll be honest with you, we try to find that peace, it's not going to last. Sooner or later, you're going to find the moment of truth. Sooner or later, something's going to happen that's going to challenge you. In, in David's life, here he is. He's, quote, serving the Philistine king. He had to realize at some point the Philistines are going to fight who, folks? Israel. What's that to David? He's been anointed to be king over Israel at some point. That's where his heart is, right? The problem with leading a double life is, is that it can't last. No matter how much we try to make it last, it can't last. Here's the second thing. The world will ask you to turn your back on God and his people. You know that, right? At some point, you're going to face the moment of truth, whether it's at work or with your friends or with your family, where you've got to make a choice. And that's either turn your back on God and do whatever the world wants you to do or you decide to go with God. You're going to face that. And it's not an easy decision. See, the world's going to ask you at some point, if you try to live this double life, you try to have both worlds, the world's going to ask you to turn your back. That's the moment of truth, right? You've been trying to have this peace, 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 peace. It can't be. can't be. So here's the third thing. Eventually, you have to make a choice between the two. And we're going to see that next week when we look at David. David's got to make a choice. He's going to be forced into a choice. Thankfully, we know the end of the story, right? He does become king. But the reality is, is that 
when you try to find peace because you're tired of the fight, your your faith, is, the futility of it, you, you just want to have peace. And so I'll, I'll have faith, be quiet about my faith, but just live like everybody else and hopefully everything will go well. That's not going to last forever. Eventually, you're going to be confronted with the reality. Do you believe in God or not? Do you trust him or not? And can I tell you, sadly, you know, pastoring now over 20-some years, I've seen a lot not. I've seen a lot walk away when they got confronted with that moment of truth. I've seen a lot decide, I can't do this. So you say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Well, I'm going to give you two thoughts because, of course, we're going to continue on with this next week. But I need to give you two thoughts right now because maybe you're here and you're trying to find that peace and it's not coming, it's not there. <laughs> maybe you're facing that moment of truth right now. You're just not telling anybody about it. I'm going to give you two things, okay? Number one, be realistic as you look at the problem of leading a double life. you got to be realistic. And when I mean realistic, you've got to realize you can't keep doing it. You can't keep trying to balance your life out so that you can have faith, but also do whatever what you want to do. It's not going to go well. Be realistic about it. In fact, you know what? I've got a verse of scripture here. James chapter 1. James is talking about the whole issue of being double-minded. He, he talks about it with reference to your prayer life. Listen to what he says here. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of a sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not a man, let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded, unstable in his ways. See, leading a double life is unstable. It's volatile. And, and basically, when you're leading a double life, he describes a double life person, a double-minded person, as being somebody who's like the wave of a sea. You know, I love. You know, we just were away, away for a, a state park over in Ohio for a few days for the 4th. And I love camping with my family. My favorite place to camp is the ocean. Okay? Because I love the sea. I loved, as a kid, getting in the waves. And, you know, I never, my mom used to say, you stay right in front of me. You ever try to do that at the beach? Because the waves just don't come like this. They come, and before you know it, you're 20 feet down the beach, and mom's yelling at you. Why? Because the waves toss you. That's, that's, what a, a, that's what he describes a double-minded man, a double-life person as, is being tossed to and fro by this. Be realistic. If you're here, and you're leading a double life, be realistic. It ain't going to last. And it ain't good right now where you're at. You know what? You already know that. Because you're ignoring it. 
You're ignoring it because the Lord's calling to you. I'm telling you, follow me. So be realistic. Here's the second thing. Ask yourself what choice you will make about the Lord in the world. Because that moment of truth is coming. It may not be as drastic as what I faced as a young man, but at some point you're going to have to make the choice, and so you've got to ask yourself, how are you going to respond to that? How are you going to be res respond to that? Think about what Joshua said. I, some of you know this from maybe, maybe from Sunday school as a child, but Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 and 15 Listen to what Joshua says. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served which were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Wow. you got to choose. Ask yourself how you're going to choose. Because eventually, I'm going to be honest with you, you're going to face a situation no matter how you try to balance things in your life, no matter how I try to balance things in my life. And we try. We try really hard. But eventually, you're going to face some kind of a situation where you've got to make a choice. It's coming. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? It's real. And listen, the track record isn't good. The track record of how people respond isn't good. And many are those who've shipwrecked. I hope it's not you. I hope it's not me. Let me pray for you.